As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two, season three of the Business of Aquaculture podcast. For this topic, I also collated some of the answers that our experts from season two shared with us on what's not changing in the digital decade. When I started this podcast, I asked everyone about the future trends, which is technically what's going to change in the next 10 years during the digital decade. And so for season two, I decided to ask them the opposite of that question of what's not going to change in the digital decade. So here are some of the wisdom that they shared with us. Obviously, a lot of them answered aquaculture is going to be here to stay in 10 years with over 10 billion people to feed, we will still be looking for ways to produce more highly nutritious food with less. Um, they shared about the adaptation that we have to do along the way to climate changes that we cannot control. And this great digitization of this last trillion dollar industry is going to be transformed to going to be continuing to be underway. And I know that's a mouthful or maybe even a little bit complicated to process, but farming has always been part of how we produce food. And so it's just the aqua farming industry is going to be part of this next 10 years. And there's so many different components of agriculture as well. So if we just look at this question and thought about it from a venture capital perspective, as Larry Taylor and Claire Pribula shared. If you look at it that way, then agriculture technology right now is just a small portion of the venture capital deals at $4 billion for ag tech investments for the full year in 2020, which is only still a fraction of the $300 billion invested globally across all sectors. That's a big number. So if you look at just the United States, and she shared how more definitively for the first quarter alone of 2021, there are 380 ag tech investments with aquaculture making up just a tiny fraction of those 300 reels, which although it's great, it's to say that 
ag tech and agriculture and aquaculture across the board has increased from just only 30 investments in 2015, which was the reason why the Yield Lab Asia Pacific was created. So that's good news. And in the next six years, 10 years, this is going to balloon. But our industry is still very much fragmented. It's very much a big contrast to the internet industry with over 25,000 deals in the same quarter, just one quarter. So you can see how our industry is really a speck in this whole new way of doing business. And I think we're going to be looking for continuing for more and better ways to do more with less because we're going to have less. And if we don't do more to try to turn this around, because we can't control climate and other things and population growth, then you know specifically that the only way for aquaculture is to stay here because it's going to be inevitable that we will be needed to feed the next billion people. So the main answer is agriculture and aquaculture will still be here in the next digital decade. Next one is talking about marine farming and what are marine farming, ocean-based farming for that matter, specifically for Canada. So it won't change. I think this was shared by Sir Couturier because he mentioned that even though land-based is of particular interest right now, from a kind of an activist and policy perspective, it certainly has a place. He thought that If Canada wants to have a secure supply of healthy, fresh seafood for its own people, which we've seen through COVID, there's the ocean that's going to be the way to go. And it's the natural way that people will really continue to embrace. I remember my husband and business partner always talks about how this is going to be part of our going back to nature because It's just, again, the word inevitable keeps on coming up in my head because it's amazing during COVID that some major grocers across Canada and United States saw a 300% increase in demand for salmon and trout. So fresh Canadian salmon and trout during that period when people were experimenting and bringing fresh fish into their houses for the first time, probably in many ways. But the demand has definitely skyrocketed and that will continue. And because of the freshness and obviously healthy protein that we need in our diet. But there will also be a foundation for future growth to ocean-based farming in Canada. And again, there are lots of different technological opportunities and variety that we'll be able to see in the next decade. And it will continue in the next 10 years. Marine-based farming will be the preferred option for aquaculture. And so the other one that I really like was when Jennifer Bushman shared that 13 years ago, People were spitting out the farm salmon as she was standing in the grocery store and 18,000 tastes later that year, still having that same conversation about how we have to learn to farm properly in a sustainable, ethical way. That has to be contributive because we cannot have this consumptive entitlement of wild resources in our oceans. And there's a guarantee that we will be creating a new food system through blue foods, you know, the ocean blue strategies now here that's economical, that fights nutritional injustice that is contributed to our oceans and our planet in 10 years. 
I also love that there was a share in terms of what's going to stay is the net pen aquaculture for sure and ocean-based aquaculture, mariculture, and a combination thereof. So shellfish production in the marine environment, seaweed production in the marine environment, again, has great potential not only for carbon sequestration, but for producing sustainable food, as I mentioned earlier. And there seems to be a growing demand in North America and, of course, globally. And net pen aquaculture culture of finfish, in particular, I guess, in the Great Lakes and, of course, on the east and west coast of Canada. So this will be here. And we're hopeful that people will see the light and that all of those sectors of marine aquaculture will continue to grow. The next one is, of course, people. This is one of my favorite part because all of the people that are around us, the guys that continue to be an advocate for aquaculture in the last 10 years and in the next 10 years, because we're going to have to band together so that our sector can see a sustainable partnership, as I mentioned, enable to tackle the challenges that we're facing as one industry. Now, whether they sell the salmon from birth in Amman by tracking it a thousand kilometers to Santiago, to put it on overnight flights to Miami, then the trucks with that model will stand the test of time, especially as you've got all of these new freezing technologies. You've got ways that you could get the product to the market potentially with a low carbon footprint. And the people who does all these logistics are going to be key components. And of course, you can just imagine those guys will still be very strong and they might have solved some of their issues that they deal with elder disease management, sea lice. They may have found the answers to some of those questions that may even change the project economics of some offshore challenges. So they were predicting that the companies will still be part of the supply chain. I think this was shared by Matt in one of the episodes in season two. And Continuing with people, if of course, community building. In community, you think from experience, something that can fight the bureaucracy if you need to put some regulations to build a strong community center. For instance, in Indonesia, one of our guests mentioned on how they are able to build a lot of communities. So associations, communities, upstream farmers, for example, they really are a big enough to basically push the government on regulation, approval, or getting a perspective as one voice. But one of the regulations, in the other hand, a community can also apply for the justice for shrimp farmers, for example. One of the cases that she mentioned is that sometimes policemen, they come to the farmers and ask for a contributing fee or something like that. So this is not okay. Bribing and as a community, we can fight back. And so that you guys know, securing the police department in the area and something like that, then if you have a community, then it's easier to fight corruption. So as a community, it will work because they will feel the pressure of more people having to complain if there are some irregularities that's happening. But that's going to be strong in the future. So we definitely need a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in this stage to basically work together with the farmers so that there's this voice of the spirit of community. And then, of course, there's also the time-tested principles that are going to stay moral, ethical, and spiritual base. So I like that as well. And 
interestingly, I also have a different perspective in terms of some of the not so ideal stuff that are going to stay. For example, there will be politicians and bureaucracy and inaction. And hopefully that will not be as hard as it is right now. But the evidence says otherwise. We have been talking from a political standpoint globally and for 50 years. This has always been part of the system. And hopefully that this will be changing. But I think it's just part of the ecosystem. And they make us be more vigilant in terms of having one voice. The second one that's on the negative side of things of what's going to stay are, of course, people with a small mindset. So there was a sharing that there's a lot of that in Indonesia, but, you know, I think it's a global situation. There are people that are leaving in the 90s and they are not just able to adapt up what's new and what they need to do to be able to solve some of the food production challenges. So some of them are stuck with one ideology or one perspective, and it becomes toxic for the industry. In every generation, we'll be facing that kind of thing. And with technology now, not all people embrace the cell phone, for example. And even now, for example, with gender equality, some of the girls and entrepreneurs, and entrepreneur women for that matter, Sometimes they're still not accepted, and that's just part, again, of the ecosystem that we may have to battle from. And then, of course, last but not the least is that's not going to change would be the growth of the industry, for sure. That's one thing will be that it's one of the largest and fastest growing industry in terms of, you know, we're taking care of animal health. And the second thing is its expansion in terms of species, but also expanding not just from food, but so many other industries, for example, new materials, nutraceuticals, algae, marine sources will provide us a way or a means to produce other compounds that are beneficial in a natural and sustainable way. And passion for the ocean is still going to be there. We have a long way to go as far as challenges and problems to solve, but people are really passionate that this is one of the solutions for our food production challenges and the desire to solve them will be done in the next 10 years. So for one, it's going to continue. And the other one is the ocean will still be here to produce food that's going to play a big role in what happens in the next 10 years and what's possible. And then last, that farmers are always going to play a role that people that have worked there with their careers and understanding how to farm the ocean sustainably, they're still going to play a large role in this business for as much as technology and data is going to be there to support it. Those folks who have been underwater, who understand, knows the ecosystem. If we put our eyes on it, everybody believes that we're still going to be a big part of both the oceans and how we produce food in 10 years. So that's it, folks. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episodes for season three and connect with me on social media. We're very much active on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. And I hope to hear from you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. And I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. 
For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture. Aquaculture.